0: If you have your Bibles, let's open to Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, verses 35 through 43. The title of today's message is The Desperate Cry of Faith, The Desperate Cry of Faith, Luke 18, 35 through 43. If you're a visitor with us this morning, or maybe just a reminder to all of us, we at First Baptist Keller believe that the Bible is God's word. And we believe that as such, it has full authority over our lives, that it's without error and that it's sufficient for all that we need for life and godliness. And so um, as a result of that belief, we teach and believe also that the best way to study God's word is through what we call expository preaching and teaching, where we work through books of the Bible, and we take them section after section. And one of the great um, things that come out of that type of preaching and teaching is we get to study these passages in their context. That means that these passages were not written out in a vacuum, right? They happened within a specific historical context, They also happen within a specific literary context. And we'll see this morning from this passage that Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has a purpose for placing this story at this point in his gospel to teach us something very specifically. Luke 18, starting in verse 35. As he, that's Jesus, drew near to Jericho. A blind man was sitting by the roadside, begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. When he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. The desperate cry of faith. Now, we've seen an ongoing theme specifically in Luke chapter 18. And this is what we've seen Luke and through the word and works of Jesus develop that true disciples, true followers, Jesus do not justify themselves to be so. Instead, they trust in God's mercy. We've seen that in account after account. In, In laying out this account, this story, Luke is giving us this ongoing course for what true Christian discipleship really looks like. And as I mentioned, as we will see throughout different elements of this story, Luke draws us back time and time again to the events that had just taken place within this one chapter alone. And through that, we will see some incredible truth for our lives. Think about it in this way. The rich young ruler had everything worldly speaking, but saw nothing. In this account, the blind man has nothing, not even physical sight, but sees very clearly. Like the persistent widow of Luke 18, this blind man maintains a desperate cry for Jesus. The disciples, we'll see, still have not learned their lesson that nobody is to be pushed to the sidelines. Nobody is unworthy for Jesus to touch, but they still struggle to see how Jesus came for those who possess simple faith. And this passage of scripture also serves as a transition moving forward. Because in the end of Luke 18, starting in verse Luke 19, we meet two men who have life-changing encounters with Jesus. And there are some remarkable similarities between those two accounts. Number one, they both have trouble seeing. In our passage today, we have a blind man. In the passage for next week, Zacchaeus is a man of small stature and he can't see over the large crowds. They both have trouble coming to Jesus because the crowds... We're so large. And by the way, just as a sidebar this morning, if we ask his as disciples, are kindering people from a life-changing encounter with Jesus, one pastor states it like this, that is a contradiction of terms. Both men have a desperation to follow Jesus and both men end up following Jesus for all of their life. Jesus, at this point, asks his disciples, and they are on their way to Jerusalem. And for those of us who know the rest of the story, we know what happens when Jesus enters Jerusalem. And so Luke uses these two life-changing encounters to transition. We need to enjoy these two stories because after Zacchaeus, the story gets pretty tough, Jesus begins to have these mock trials and be arrested, and he's headed to the cross. But first, we have these stories, and in this passage today, Jesus calls once again an unlikely person, an overlooked person, not because of what this man had to offer to God, but because of the object of his faith we will see that this man places faith and trust in the person and work of Jesus. So first we are presented with a problem in the story. It's right there in verse 35. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now we know that this was very common in this culture. Under the Roman rule and government, there were no uh, social welfare systems to to help uh, people like this blind man. In many cases, they uh, they had to be beggars to even provide food for their mouths to eat. But maybe what we overlook at times is that even the religious people of the day even the Jews looked at people like this with sort of a disdain. Maybe you'll remember the story in John chapter 9 when there was a man who was blind from birth and the Jewish leaders asked Jesus, uh, who, what's the reason for this man's blindness? Was it his parents' sin or his sin that caused him to be blind? You see, even the religious leaders viewed people with physical ailments as sinners who were under the judgment of God. So even the religious crowd treated these people with sort of a disdain as if they deserved this physical ailment that they were dealing with. And so this blind man can't turn to the government for help, the religious crowd is not helping him. And so it seems like through the accounts that every day this blind man would sit alongside this highway, if you will, this main stretch that goes from leading through Jericho to Jerusalem begging for money. There's one thing that I've noticed about some people who have a physical limitation like this. Typically, whatever sense is limited, in this case, the man is blind, the man is blind. They will have another sense that seems to be heightened, that almost compensates for whatever their deficiency may be. And this is what we see in this story as well. Look at the next phrase there in verse 36, and hearing a crowd going by. The man's blind, but he's in tune with his surroundings through his ears. And it says, he hears a crowd going by, and what does he do? He inquires what this means. This blind man received information through his ears. Something is going on here. This is not a normal day. Something important is happening I need to know what's going on. So he asks a question. He inquired what this meant. And someone answers him, it just says, they, verse 37, they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, evidently the blind man heard a lot more than a commotion going on on the road through Jericho. Evidently, this blind man had heard of of what Jesus had been up to. He had a knowledge already of Jesus. Maybe some others that he knew who were in deep need had had a testimony of being touched by Jesus or hearing Jesus speak or hearing Jesus teach. And so when this blind man receives this information, This is a commotion. There's something happening here. What's going on? And he's told this is Jesus of Nazareth. He knows. He he uses all of that information that he has learned, and he is compelled to burst out. It is almost as if this is an involuntary response for this blind beggar. He really doesn't have to think about it because of all the information he's received, he just sort of blurts out. And it says, verse 38, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. We know from some of the other accounts, specifically Matthew and Mark speak of this account as well, that this blind man had a name. This blind man's name was Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus cries out. And it seems like that because that he uh, seems to be this man that prayer fairly frequently in this place, that he would be known among the locals there. That maybe as they pass by, the thought is, yep, there's Bartimaeus once again. He's up to his... His deal that he does very frequently, uh, begging and asking people for help. But in this way, blind Bartimaeus felt the necessity to forego the daily tone that he would use and use a tone that was reserved for extraordinary circumstances. Says he cries out, Jesus, son of David. You see, Bartimaeus had a problem. He realized that, and here's what he knew. The solution to his problem was passing by. Jesus of Nazareth. Now, it's very significant. Bartimaeus has a problem. Jesus is the solution, and he believes that. Here's how we know that. What does Bartimaeus call Jesus? The son of David. Look, don't overlook that. That is very significant to what's going on in Bartimaeus' life. What has already happened, if you will, in his heart. Because he has been told this is what's happening. Jesus of Nazareth is coming by. And in those terms... That's sort of a put down for Jesus. Remember the, the saying we've read about in the gospels, what good thing can come from Nazareth? Nothing, right? Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. So it's as if the people that answer Bartimaeus' question are saying, oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's just coming by. But for Bartimaeus, this was the son of David. This is a title that is used for Jesus' fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. What Bartimaeus may well have been saying is, Jesus, Messiah, Jesus Christ, I believe you're the one. Have mercy on me. You see the significance there in just... um, a short period of time, according to Matthew's account, when Jesus enters Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. This is the title that the people are saying. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now contrast this with what the rich young ruler says about Jesus. Remember what the rich young ruler called Jesus? good teacher. Contrast good teacher with Messiah. Don't we live in a culture that says, well, Jesus is a great teacher. We should learn from his life. We should learn to walk and try to live as brothers and sisters. Jesus was more than a good teacher. He's God in the flesh He's Jesus, Messiah. He's the promised one who would come and save us from our sins. And Bartimaeus realizes this. He believes this and he cries out to the Lord. As such, the blind beggar saw something about Jesus in his heart before he could see Jesus with his eyes. And isn't this the definition of faith? Think about it in the book of Hebrews. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. Bartimaeus had never seen it. He couldn't see with his eyes, but at this point, he saw with his heart. His heart was opened to the truth about Christ, and because of that he couldn't help but say it. He couldn't help but proclaim, Jesus is the Christ. And not only was Bartimaeus saying something about Jesus with this statement, he was saying something about himself. He was making a statement about who he was. Number one, he was saying this, I need mercy. I am in need of something I am in need of the mercy of the Savior. That's why he goes on, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This is like the man, once again in Luke chapter 18, who would not even look up in the temple as he prayed, but it's the scripture says he beat his own breast and he cried out what? Have mercy on me a sinner. Brothers and sisters, this is a mark of a true disciple of Jesus Christ. A constant call, a constant prayer for the mercy of God. We need it. We are in need of the mercy of Christ every day. And look, the scripture is clear from the book of Psalms. His mercies are new every morning just as Bartimaeus comes and cries out for mercy. Jesus does not turn these kind of people away. These are the ones that Jesus receives and blesses and gives that mercy to if we realize our need for it. Bartimaeus understood he had a need for mercy. Number two, he understood that Jesus was the only source and was only able to provide the mercy that he needed. He knew this is my only shot. This is the only one who can provide this mercy in my life. And so this blind man, Bartimaeus, he has this persistent cry a faith. His faith was demonstrated in his persistence to cry out to Jesus for mercy. And what led Bartimaeus to cry out for mercy was the belief that he called in his heart about who Jesus was and what he accomplished. And that is the necessary belief for any who would come to faith in Jesus. It's a twofold belief. Number one, we have to believe that we're sinners in need of the mercy of God. We deserve God's justice. We deserve God's wrath because of our rebellion and our willful sin against the Holy God. As such, we deserve his punishment. And so we have to realize just as Bartimaeus, we are in need. That's the first step. The second step step is to trust that Jesus alone is the answer to that issue. It's only through him that mercy can be found. It's only through him that we can be saved. Just as we sang, the Lord is our salvation. And for any who would come to faith in Christ, those are foundational beliefs that must be Held. How did those following Jesus respond to this man? Verse 39. Those who were in front rebuked him. Remember, the disciples still don't get the message. They were hard-headed. Look, just a couple days ago, we believe. The children were coming to Jesus. And what were the disciples doing? They were rebuking the children. Jesus doesn't have time for you all. He's here to meet with those in power and to do his work for those who have authority and can help. No, you don't get it. And once again, we take it that those who were leading this group were Jesus' disciples. And once again, they were rebuking. They were telling Bartimaeus, stop it, be quiet. Now, we don't really know why the disciples may have been doing this. Maybe they were in a hurry. Maybe they thought, Jesus said, we're going to Jerusalem. So we're going to Jerusalem. We don't have time for detours along the way. Maybe they thought that this man screaming out was not an appropriate way to approach Jesus. Maybe they thought that this designation as the son of David would get them in trouble with the authorities. Maybe Jesus was teaching along the way as Jesus would often do, and they couldn't hear Jesus because this man was outbursting in this way. We don't really know why they were doing this, but what we do know is the kind of desperation to with. This man, with, to which this man responded. If this was just another man walking by with whom Bartimaeus was casually interested, somebody else would walk by. At some other point, another person of power or celebrity would walk by. He may have thought, I'll just wait for the next one. But for Bartimaeus, this was his only shot. He was desperate. Like for those of us who travel sometimes, we see this in airports, right? You're at the airport, you're waiting on your flight, it's delayed. You wait and wait and wait, it's delayed again. Finally, after three hours, the flight is canceled. We're gonna have to rebook you on a later flight. Well, that flight's full. We'll re, before you know it, you're trying to get on the last flight out for the night and people will be standing with the ticket agent, almost literally on their knees begging. Ma'am, you don't understand. If I don't get to New York, I don't get this business deal. You don't understand what's going on in my family. I have to get home. I have to be on this flight. It's this type of desperation, Bartimaeus says. This is my only shot. I'm going for it. And how does Bartimaeus respond? Even though the people, the leaders are telling him to be quiet, what does he do? The end of verse 39. But he cried out all the more, son of David. Have mercy on me. Look, in spite of being shushed by the disciples, Bartimaeus says, no, I'm going for it. Brothers and sisters, that too is a mark of true discipleship. This type of radical desperation to follow Jesus. Look, if it's just an affinity toward what Jesus is like and is done, Jesus will pass right by and we'll stay in our comfortable spot. But if Jesus is our Lord, if Jesus is our Savior, if Jesus has done something in our hearts, we will cry out. We will follow him with this type of passion and desperation that we see in the life of Bartimaeus here. He cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 40, the grace, the love, and the mercy of our Savior. Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought for him to him. Now, feel the weight of this story. Feel the weight of what's happening at this point. The disciples are saying, sir, please settle down. Be quiet. Shh, that's enough. Oh yeah, Jesus, we're just over here. This man's going a little crazy. We're trying to, what? Okay, okay, sir, we'll get right on that. That go back to Bartimaeus. Sir, Jesus is calling you to come to him. Do you think at that moment the disciples felt about this toll? They probably wished they could just be gone. But can you feel the joy of Bartimaeus, the desperation? And now, out of all of these people, out of all of this crowd, Jesus is calling him to come. I can imagine that you've never seen a blind man find his feet faster than Bartimaeus found his and was stumbling and was bumbling to get his way, to find his way to Jesus as quickly as possible. In fact, Mark in his account of this in verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 50 says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Some biblical scholars say that most likely that cloak was all that Bartimaeus owned and he left it in haste to go to Jesus. What kind of spiritual implications does that have on our discipleship, on our willingness, on our passion to follow him no matter the cost, leaving everything else? Be kind, think once again about the rich young ruler. He couldn't do it, he went away sorrowfully But Bartimaeus, he didn't even have to think about it. He left and he sprang up and he went to Jesus. He's there in an instant. When he gets there, verse 41, Jesus asked him a question. Now Jesus already knew the answer to his question, right? Jesus never asked a question that he didn't already know the answer to. But Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has been made well. I don't miss the point here. Many faith healers and false teachers and prosperity gospel leaders have used this verse and distorted it for their own gain. What this passage is not saying is that um Bartimaeus's faith created his healing. It wasn't Jesus didn't heal him because he had enough faith. Instead, his faith was the means by which he was healed. Even if Jesus would not have healed Bartimaeus' eyes, Jesus had already healed Bartimaeus' soul. And that's the important piece here. His faith was the means by which God, through Christ, had saved Bartimaeus. And we see that. Here's the truth, verse 43. Immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him. Glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Whoever, like blind Bartimaeus, is conscious of their own sin and blindness and misery and is prepared to cry out to Christ wholeheartedly for his mercy will certainly be healed by the mercy of Christ through the power of his word and propelled into a life of radical discipleship. It may not be physical healing, but it will be spiritual healing. Maybe there's someone here today, and like this blind man, this is a classic illustration for your life. Maybe you've walked into church this morning hopeless, You find a sense of desperation going on in your life and you realize that you lack the power to do anything about that. Maybe you thought that you would attend this morning and maybe receive some help for that situation. Maybe get encouragement. Maybe have your prayer answered. Look, if that's you this morning, cheer up, get on your feet. Jesus is calling. Jesus is ready for those who say, I don't have anything. I need your mercy. I believe you're the solution for my heart problem. And I cry out, if that's you this morning, just feel the joy of blind Bartimaeus when they said, stand up, Jesus is calling you. Jesus can heal you. As well. Maybe for others of us, the question is this are we putting ourselves in positions to receive the mercy of God on a daily basis? Think about how many times Bartimaeus must have gone to that same spot on that same road, day after day. I'm not going to go out there today. I just don't feel like it. Look, if he wouldn't have put himself in that position, who knows what would have happened? Would he have been touched? One author says it like this, Christ is sometimes found by those who do not seek him, but he is always found by those who truly seek him. And the question for us is this, are we putting ourselves in that position every day? as followers of Christ. Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm seeking you, I'm asking you to touch my life, to provide for me the change through the power of your spirit that I can't have any other way. And doesn't this speak deeply to our need for prayer? Have mercy on me, a sinner. For some, maybe this is a call to start praying. And maybe for others, after Bartimaeus was healed, he doesn't walk away unchanged. He follows Jesus. It would have been unthinkable for Bartimaeus to be touched by Jesus in this way and go back to begging on the side of the road. No, because of Jesus' touch in his life, he stood up and he followed. He pursued Christ. The scriptures saying in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. Brothers and sisters, for those of us who have experienced the loving mercy of Christ, may we walk away this morning saying, how great a savior. What a merciful savior that we have. Because of his mercy, we will follow. We will be faithful to the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. We believe it is inspired. It is authoritative, it is without error, and it's sufficient. Thank you for preserving and giving us this story, this account of blind Bartimaeus that teaches us on so many levels what it means to be a true follower of Christ. And Lord, we wanna have the cry that Bartimaeus had. Have mercy on us. Lord, forgive us of thinking that receiving your mercy is a one-time thing that we move past. Lord, receiving your mercy and crying out for your mercy should be a daily task, should be a daily prayer that we pray to you because every day we are in need of your spirit and of your mercy in our lives. So thank you for that. Thank you for for being a God who does not turn away those who come to you asking in that way. And Lord, help us to truly follow you. Just as Bartimaeus left his cloak, just as he sprang up, Lord, give us that type of radical pursuit of following Christ that is desperate, that lays aside the cares of this world and follows you. Lord, and I would pray that for a person here today that walked in here desperate for you. And Lord, maybe they've never understood that what Jesus came to the earth for was to pay the penalty on behalf of sinners that would satisfy your wrath so that any who would place their faith and trust in Christ and turn from their sinfulness, could be saved. Lord, I pray that today would be the day that you'd save their soul. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to our broadcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, or to hear more sermons by Pastor Keith and our staff, visit us online at fbckeller.org.